Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Morning, church. Our Bible reading from today for today is taken from Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. After the reading of the word, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with thanks be to God. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Can we pray for him? Is it low? It'll be low. Uh, did it, don't worry. Uh, if, it can, if it doesn't work, then it's okay. Good morning, everyone. Yes, good morning, and a special welcome to anyone that is new here, particularly any of those who are coming for uh, the dedication, the baby dedication, and we will do that after the end of this service, but we are very happy to have you. We are happy to see people with wonderful hearts glowing, uh, you know, with the glory of the Lord. So we look forward to um, doing all of this um, after this service. But for now, we're happy that you join us in our in normal part, part of our service. Um, and you've come at a good time. We've been doing a series in prayer. And that series, we're taking the Lord's Prayer and we're looking at the various forms of prayer in the Lord's Prayer, right? And we say, look, part of the reason why people struggle and we don't pray consistently is that we are trying to pray in one way. You know, the Bible lets us know that for um, marriages, you should have one wife or one husband. But imagine if that was what you did for food, if you were only eating one kind of food. That'd be, am, I, am I speaking to some? Yeah, we like variety in food. Uh-huh. And that's what it should be. So don't have variety in your marriage, but have variety in your prayers. And so that's why Jesus gives us that. And so we've looked at a number of, um, somebody's wondering why I'm not talking about my teeth. I'm not talking about it. You guys are not worthy today. Uh, this, but this one is special, but I'm not going to talk about it. Anyway, but um, I don't know. Let me quiz because some, some people in the, in the first service, the guys, the, the first service people don't wake up on time. So they couldn't remember. What was the first kind of prayer we treated? Eh? You didn't, you, some of, now you said the second time. You are waiting for the person next to you to say it. <laughs> now you're not saying it with your full chest. You are, you are like, okay, second one. Yeah? Uh, same thing. Third one, appreciation or thanksgiving, right? That's what we did last week. Remember what we said about appreciation? 
or thanksgiving. It is a return back prayer. You came back to give thanks. You came back to give thanks. What did you go back to give thanks for? You made a request first, in the first meeting, and when you were, the request was granted, you went back to give thanks. So let's talk about the first one that you went and made a request. That's what we call petition, right? We make requests. Prayer also involves making petitions. Um, I'm not old, certainly not old, but I'm not young. And let me tell you something in my small lifetime that I've observed about um, Nigerians, and this is backed up with research, okay? It really happens in Nigerian adolescents and Nigerian young adults, sometimes older adults, but particularly in Nigerian adolescents and Nigerian older adults. It's a reaction we have to Niger kids, to Nigerian children. There is a way, I don't know, once somebody becomes like 13, 14, and they move up until like 24, there is a kind of, uh, what's the word? You, they, they annoy you, let's just put it that way. Children annoy you, right? They annoy you once you get to like 12, 13, 14. They annoy you. And based on the research, the, the thing that annoys young adults and adolescents the most, and again, some older adults, the thing that annoys them the most about children, it can be encapsulated in one word, just one word that the, so the children utter. You know what it is? Gimme. Gimme. You know, gimme. It's like you can, you can know a child that either lacked home training or did not give in to their home training because they say, give me. There's even um, a longer version of it. It is, I want. I want. How about, I want to knock out of your head your, your spoiled brat, brat, bratness. In fact, that attitude of give me was not just encapsulated in that word, give me itself, then became embodied in an outfit. It was called anti-gimme cake. How many of you, you don't know anti-gimme cake? Who, uh, you work with Lola, what, anti-gimme How many of you work anti-gimme cake? You don't know anti-gimme anti cake? Uh, yeah, uh, you work, okay. Uh, all of you are now ashamed. I know you work, you are now trying to deny. Because you are older now, may God forgive you. No, gimme, gimme. Now, the funny thing about gimme with children is that it's one of the earliest words, maybe even the second word they learn. It's only preceded by a particular word, the first word that every child learns or utters when they come into this world. Let me quickly put out there, disclaimer, I am sorry to all the mothers here. The first word the child says is what? Dada. If you are like my own children, my own children didn't even say, no, the second one didn't even say dada, he said daddy. My daddy, my... Daddy. Dada. Dada and then gimme. Now here's one of the things I, I don't want you to miss. And we said this when we were talking about adoration. If you want to learn prayer, the Bible always takes you back to children. Learn from children. What is it that these words are telling us? Dada, gimme. That gimme comes after dada. Let me tell you what it's trying to tell us and learn from the children. Whoever you say, whoever deserves your give me must first be your dada. In other words, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, how does it begin? Our father, dada, or Abba. And not long after that, it gets to give us. 
You see, the problem is that, again, as I, say, uh, as I said the last time, that in our prayers, part of the problem is we forget that we are children. We like to approach God as adults. You know, it's not often known that the Lord's Prayer actually is not so much an original. Jesus actually adapted the Jewish prayer that was around, the around at the time. It was called the Kaddish. Now, I want to show you some comparisons between the Kaddish and the Lord's Prayer, right? And then pull out something from there. So, for instance, this is the way the intro to the Kaddish starts. It starts like this. Exalted and sanctified be his great name. The opening line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The second line of the intro to Kaddish is, may he establish his kingdom. And we know what comes after. Your kingdom comes. Hey, the plagiarism starts with Jesus. Don't say it. Do <laughs> I church. But now let's switch it over. And the, the third line of the, of, of the Lord's Prayer is your will be done on earth as in heaven. But with the Kaddish, it now expands. It connects the will of God in heaven as done on earth. And it, it, it connects it to their expected Messiah, the anointed that they were looking for. And it says this. It says, I may salvation blossom and his anointed be near during your lifetime and during your days. And during the lifetimes of all the house of Israel, speedily and very soon. How else can you conclude? And then he says what? And say, Amen. And Lord's Prayer, of course, he's also going to say, and say, Amen. What Lord's Prayer say? Oh, give us today. Give us. After all of these elaborate things, give us. Notice what is missing. What is missing is give us, but also notice the start of the, of the Kaddish does not have our father. In fact, they cannot refer to him as our father. In other words, what am I trying to say? The Kaddish is a prayer for adults, but the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for children of his. The Kaddish, and maybe some of us are like, yeah, we would like that kind of respectable prayer. So we've liked the last three Sundays where it was adoration, gazing on God, communion, spending time with God, and thanksgiving, praising God. But what is it about petition? No, the Lord is saying this in the Lord's Prayer. Whilst you must do all of those things, you can also come to your Father and say, give me. Just give me. And for some of us, our adulthood is not just over spirituality. Our adulthood is over practicality. We live by the maxim of Nike. Just do it. But Jesus says something else. He said, no, for children, there's something else you can do. And he puts it in the Lord's Prayer again, but it's the Lord's Prayer as said in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 11. And at the end of that Lord's Prayer, you know what he says? So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is saying, for the children of God, there's another way you can live your life. It is not just do it, just ask it. Just ask it. And so the prayer of petition is really a very simple thing. We can come to him who is our father and just ask. Just ask. And what we plan on doing today is to learn, both learn, but also at the same time practice what it means to just ask. It's a very simple thing. You know why? Because petition is prayer at its simplest. Amen? Lord, we need you right now. We ask, oh God, for your presence that has been with us to even come in a more tangible way. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that your anointing will come upon my lips. It will come upon my heart so that... 
clarity may come, so, but also so that conviction may come. I pray for the heart of everyone gathered here. For whatever reason, oh God, that we gather, I pray, oh God, that we will not leave without knowing you as our Father, as we express that, oh God, in asking you, for you are the one that has called us to us. So we come humbly before your presence, Lord, and we ask for an encounter this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I get into how we go about this, can I first answer a question, which is very simple. Why? Why ask? Why do we even ask in the first place? Well, last week we talked about an encounter that Jesus had on the road. He met some ten lepers, and it seems like Jesus liked going on the road. So let's talk about another encounter where he went on the road. But this time, it's not in between Samaria and Galilee. Right now, it's at a place called Jericho. Remember Jericho? the ancient city where the walls came down. But now, it's not the physical walls. It's a wall in front of someone's eyes. His name is Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10. It says, And they came to Jericho as his... They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man called Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's go to 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, I don't want to expound on that passage, but I do want to pull out something there. It's really in verse 51 is the question. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Let's stop. Uh, let's, let's stop. Let's look at the way this thing is. I know we're in church, but it's still good to investigate it because some of you are already thinking something. Picture this. Jesus already has a reputation. He's a miracle worker. They know he has power, right? People, he does things for people. Then there is a guy, and that guy is saying, Jesus, <laughs> have mercy on me. Jesus said, bring him. They brought him. He's in front of Jesus, and then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Don't lie, if you are around there, even now you are thinking, you are like, um, Jesus, <laughs> uh, so you, are, you have power. Uh, can you not, like, Jesus, it's obvious, you know? We want to say Jesus, like, uh, duh, but we can't say it, and don't think it in your mind, because we are in church, and so thunder may come down, and uh, in fact, turn to your neighbor and say, don't blaspheme. Don't your neighbor say the blaspheme because you know if it comes down, there may be collateral damage. God forbid. But it's like, is it not obvious he's blind? Why are you asking him that question? And maybe if I can say it in another way, for many of us that are here, you are saying that God knows everything. But if God knows everything, that means God knows everything I need. But if God knows everything I need, then why is he asking me to ask him? And whenever you read scriptures and you see something that seems plainly obvious, it means there is something deeper there that God is asking you to seek. And let me tell you why God is asking us to still ask specifically. Because in the, in the action of specifically asking, there is a discovery about God and a discovery about ourselves that will come out of it. God is inviting you into a deeper relationship where you know something about him more and something about yourself more. Let me talk about God first, the thing you can get to know about God first. So, God, we have a need, God has supplies. We have a need, God has supplies. But that doesn't end everything. We still want, the equation is ended when God's supplies 
meet our need. Amen? Amen? Now, how does that happen? First of all, we make a request. God, please give me. Okay? But is that what we normally do? Let me tell you something. I know about you. If you have a request and you have a father, before you go and meet that father, there are a number of things that you have to think about. You are going to think about who that father is. If your father is an absent father, you will not go and meet him. Why? Because he is not present. If your father is a poor father, you will not go and meet him. Why? Because he doesn't have it to give to you. If your father is a miserly father, you will not go and meet him. Why? Because even though he has it, he will not give it to you. He will only give you lectures about managing your finances. If your father is a God father, you will not go and meet him because what you collect from him, you will pay back more than you have collected. Am I correct? But what if your father is a generous father? He has it, he's not poor. He gives it, he's not miserly. And he doesn't want any kind of payback. He's not a God father. He's a generous father. It reminds me of a story between Alexander the Great, the, form, the famous emperor of the Greek Empire. Alexander, in this story, here's how it goes. One day, there was a beggar by the roadside. And that beggar was asking for alms as Alexander the Great passed by. The man was so poor and wretched and had no claim upon the ruler, no right even to lift a solicitor's hand. Yet, the emperor threw him several gold coins. A courtier was astonished at his generosity. And he commented, Sir, copper coins would adequately meet the beggar's need. Why give him gold? To which Alexander responded in royal fashion, and I love this. He says this, Copper coins will suit the beggar's need, but gold coins will suit Alexander's generosity. Let me tell you this about the God that you and I serve. He is not about dispensing copper coins to his children. He may be a king and he may be an emperor, but he's more than that. He's a father. You may be a beggar, but you are more than that. You are his child. And because our father in heaven looks at his children on earth, we have much more access than that beggar had to Alexander the Great. We have access to what the Bible calls the how much more resources. Turn to your neighbor and say, how much more? What am I talking about? At the end of that Lord's Prayer in Luke, after we read ask and it shall be, and it shall be, uh, 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 you shall receive and, and knock and it shall be open to you. The next verse is in 11 to 13. Look at what it says. It gives an analogy. It says, which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, Will you give him a scorpion? When he says, and then he says, if you then, though you are evil, he means by this that we are still blighted with sin and we are not perfect like in comparison to, to, to God. He says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give your good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your father give? The reason why many times we don't ask or why God is telling us to ask is that we serve a father that is the how much more. Though he is in heaven, that means he's not limited by the things that we are limited on by earth, on here on earth. He gives lavishly. He is not God, is not a, 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 an absent father. He is not a miserly father. He is not a poor father. He is not a God father. He is God the father. And he delights to be lavish to his children when they ask. 
So we get to know more about God through petitions. But we also get to know more about ourselves. Can I say something a bit controversial? Can I say it? Many of you will disagree with me, but I'll say it anyway because I have the mic. Our problem isn't that we ask God too much for things. You know what our problem is? We don't ask God enough. We actually don't ask God enough for things. You see, we are used to asking God for things at the crisis level, but the mundane things, I don't know, why, why bother him with that? Do you know what God wants us to ask him for? Everything. Everything. But the reason we don't do that, let me tell you, it reveals something about us. We love control. And we hate to lose control. We hate to lose control, even to God. You see, many of us, by God's grace, have been established in where we are today. How? We, we have a brain, and we like to use that brain to solve things. And when our brain fails us, we like to call the people that we know to solve the thing. Am I lying? So usually when faced with a problem, the first thing is, how am I going to solve this thing? If you can't solve it, who am I going to call? Let me tell you what hardly is our first step. Lord, help me. Why? Because we love control. Why do we like it? Because we have validated most of our existence by our ability to solve a problem. It gives us value. But by the time we are attributing the ability to solve a problem to someone else, it's almost like, what is the use of my space? But petitions help us do something. It enthrones God as the ultimate source of all solutions in our lives and removes us from being on that throne. There's a helpful analogy that Jesus gives about Christians. He says that he is the vine and we are the branches. Have you ever thought about this vine and branches? If you cut off a, bran a branch from a vine, what happens to the vine? What happens to the vine? Huh? It remains. What happens to the branch? So you cut both of them from each other. One leaves, the other one the other one doesn't. In other words, which one is dependent on which one? Is the vine dependent on the branch? Is the branch dependent on the vine? And so Jesus says that, I want you to understand this. Because I am the vine and you are the branches, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Not some things. Nothing. And so what petitionary prayer does is that it reminds us that we, nothing, there is nothing that we do that we are the ultimate source of. God is. We had internet problems in my house. You see, the internet service provider that we had used for, we've been used for seven years. They've, they've been really good for the first five years. But I think the success that they were having it made them expand so quickly, right? And so they started having more and more and more people. Before those days, when we ever had, by the sixth year, right, because they, you know, they were really about their, their customers. When we say we have a problem, they will send an engineer. But within the last one year, anytime we have a problem, you know what happens? What do we get? Customer service. They're the ones that call. Calling all the time. How is our service? How is our service? You have a problem. How is our service? You know one thing I learned about big companies in Nigeria and customer service? The one thing customer service don't give you, you know what it is? Customer service. They don't. They don't. <laughs> so we're asking. We'll call the first month. Oh, yeah, now come and fix this thing. No, come and fix this thing. They'll say they're coming. They're coming. They'll even promise. Some of them almost swore to God. I'm saying... First month, second month, they weren't sending people. Third month, and yet they'll be calling you every time. How is our service? How is our service? I have complained about this thing before. I have a... After a while, I, I, I didn't call again. I said, well, to 
your tent, O Israel. My wife carried on. My wife was trying, and my wife knows how to complain. She would chase them on Instagram, chase them on everything. They did not send anybody. We put some other people to try and do it. Nobody solved it. For one full year. So, one day, I was sitting on my reading chair. I was reading, but then I had my iPad before me. And I thought, do you know what? I don't have many gifts. I don't have many gifts. But I do have some things I know how to do well. One of the things I know how to do well is I know how to write something that they call a stinker. Have you ever heard of a stinker? When somebody writes to you that they, it's not just that you did something wrong, but you, after you've done it wrong, you'll be like, do I even deserve to leave? What kind of terrible person? I, I don't have many gifts, but I know. So I decided, these people, I'm going to write them a stinker. And as I was about to start typing, the Holy Spirit said something to me. I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. He said, you have complained about this thing for one year. You have not asked me to pray about it. You've not prayed about it. I said, ah, internet, me, it's not that deep. <laughs> and I thought about it, it's true. I'm depending on myself to actually solve this problem. I'm about to send this thing, and I think that's what so. I have called, I have, I have guilted them, I have done everything. I think I can solve it. And also, I actually think that God does not care about my internet. So I decided to pray. I prayed. I really prayed. Prayed about it. And in the prayer, not only um, um, was I, uh, you know, not only was I saying, God, solve it. I now heard God now say, ah, Omar, it's not a stinker you should write now. Uh-uh, pastor, don't, don't. So I didn't write a stinker. I wrote what you call a sanctified rant. Right, the sanctified rant. It was, it was now, you know, removed things. I wasn't making anybody feel bad. And I sent it. They replied the next day, within a week, an engineer was in our house. You think God doesn't care about internet? No, he does. He cares even about something much more. He wants you to take, leave control to him. Amen. That's what petitionary prayers do. So if these are the reasons why we ask, now, let's talk about it in practical terms. Someone will be saying, ah, is anyone really listening? Because I don't think prayer works, or it doesn't work for Misha. So let's talk about how we answer prayers. You see, the Bible tells us, gives us different shorthand names for God. But one shorthand name that I don't hear people talk about often is one that is in Psalm 65, verse 1 to 2. It starts off this way. It says, praise awaits you at God in Zion. Why? He then gives a name for God. He says, you who answer prayer. You who does what? Answer prayer. God is a God that answers prayer. It's a name that you can give him. The way you say God is the father of the fatherless and the husband of widows. The way you say God is the father of life, father of spirit. The way you say he's the God of all comfort. Also, this is a title of his. He is the one that hears or answers prayer. Can I say it in another way? God always answers prayers. Okay, let me say it in a more provocative way. With God, there is no such thing as unanswered prayers. I knew it would provoke it. Like, uh, uh, I have, it is today. I've been praying for something for a long time. He hasn't answered this. There is no such thing with God as unanswered prayers. And some people are still disagreeing. Can I say one more thing? I did not say he answers prayers in the same way all the time. I just said he always answers prayers. In fact, I can think of three ways that God answers prayers. In three ways, he answers these prayers. He, do you know what he does? He delivers, he delays, and he diverts. Can we say that together? He delivers, he, di- he, he delays, and he diverts. 
let me, let's talk about three of them. Now, what's going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about these three, and after, I'll give you a tip that comes from each of them. But not only that, we are going to be praying after the end of each one, amen? Because we're not just talking about prayer, we're actually going to be praying. All right, first one, he delivers. God answers prayers, and when I mean God answers prayers, I mean this. You get what you want when you want it. You get what you want when you want it. You know that sometimes we focus too much on the complexity between prayer and the answers to prayer that sometimes we forget that there is this whole section that is not complex. It is simple. You pray for something, you got it. There is a very simple answer to that question that is often asked to us. When somebody just comes to me and says, ah, how did this thing work for you? How did you get it? It's very simple. I prayed, God delivered. There is that part. God answers prayers. We get what we want when we want it. Now, some of us are saying, I, I don't remember. You know, honestly, it's not really been answering. Can I remind you of some, some basic things? For instance, some of us, the job you currently have or the ones that your children have, right? Did you not pray for it? Do you not have it? Didn't God deliver? Maybe I'll try another one. The character that you are commended for or your children are commended for, did you not pray about it? Didn't God deliver? A third one, some of us watching online or some of us here, the degree or the certif certification that you are currently pursuing, didn't you pray about it? Didn't God deliver? And for some of us, our children, there was a time your child, even this year, was ill before taking them to the hospital. Did you not pray about them? Aren't those children healthy today? Didn't God deliver? Let me tell you why sometimes we don't think, we don't really think God answers prayers. Let me tell you. All the things I just said now. Sometimes, you know what happens? We classify them in two ways. One, we say, it's ordinary. It's ordinary. You don't say with your mouth. Of course, we are good Christians for some of us. It's just ordinary things. In other words, what you're actually saying under it being ordinary, you know what you're saying? It would have happened anyway without prayer. You don't want to say, but it's true. It would have happened anyway. There's even another one. There's another one. We don't call it that it's ordinary. We say, it's a coincidence. Kalu, kalu. It will have happened by chance. Chance. A coincidence. Coincidences. <laughs> ah, coincidence. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a guy called um, uh, William Temple. William Temple was a bishop of Manchester. He became the Archbishop of York and then eventually became the Archbishop of Canterbury. When it came to prayers and coincidences, he had a famous quote. You know what he said? He said this. He said that when I pray, eh, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't happen. <laughs> Just as you know, ah. let me tell you about a story. And this is real. I like to take my children to school early, just before their, their, their school opens. So they open at 7.15, and this is when they were both um, in primary school. This story that happened, because one of them is secondary school now. Now, here's the thing. I like to do that, and we have to leave at a certain time, if we, if we are going to get there at 7.15. And we leave that early. You know why? Because there is a junction. It's a, it's a terrible thing. I don't know. If any of you work with road safety or the people that direct road, I want to, I want to, I want to report that Ikate Junction side. The one that is, when you are coming from Nikkei Art Gallery, I don't understand. There is the express there. The express has all the lights. It has light and it has normal Lasma people. This other one, this junction, there are like five different things that you can come in. But not only is it bad enough, you know what happens on the express, after two minutes, 
the express is on green light for two minutes. Then it will tell people on Freedom Way, oh yeah, come, for maybe 30 seconds or one minute. So after that, what is it meant to do? Because there are only three junctions. You should call our own side. No, it goes back to the express. <laughs> two minutes again, and then it will now come to us. So who betide you if you miss your turn? And the problem is this, because it is five different junctions that are there, it means that people, they lose their sense because there's no traffic warden there. So you can get stuck. So we're always trying to avoid that thing building up. So that's why we don't want to leave late. So this day, we are leaving, and it was late. And so, at this point, my, my second son, Timmy, Lane, Timmy, was five, and two from is nine. So I said, ah, man, boys, we are late, oh, we are late. And I taught Timmy a little bit. We've been doing our devotion on prayer, so I taught him a little bit about prayer. So when we are now going, now, I said, ah, we are late, we are not going to make our time. Timmy then said, ah, let us pray now. My first instinct, I won't lie to you, was to say, okay, come, before they gave back to you, I've been praying. What do you mean, what's this? Second, I'm a pastor, do you know, I, I pray. What are you doing? Well, you know, I remember that I was a pastor, so I couldn't say it. So we prayed. Timmy said, God, please, we don't want to go to school late, and, and we left late, and we want to get to school on time. Please help us so that we'll be able to get to school on time. There will be no traffic. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm like, ah. Is that the one that parted the Red Sea? You don't understand. We get to that place. As we get there, I, cannot, I don't know how to explain it. But as we get there, all of a sudden, everything aligned. We get there, the cars had already started moving because the traffic light had been open for about 30 seconds. So all the cars had already started going. So when we were just going, we were just going past and we just went freely. And Timmy's like, hey, we prayed, he answered. I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's like there's somebody up there. <laughs> Coincidence, have you? Coincidence. A few weeks later, it happened again. We left it. And at that point, as we were coming, our boys were going to get late to school. And Timulane says, let's pray. Okay, let's, let's pray, let's pray. Of course, let's pray. We prayed. He said another small prayer like da, 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 da. As we got there, as we got there, you know what we met? Traffic. <laughs> Life is complex. But as the traffic happened, there was the green light. Now, in front of us, there was a car. Because he was stuck. But there was a car, as people had maneuvered, there was a car that he didn't know how to move. It was like he froze or something happened. So because of that, there was a space on the side that then opened up. Other cars couldn't come. So we just went in and went out there. We spent less time than the other time. Coincidence? I bet not. A few months later, the thing happened again. We left late. Timulane did not ask anybody. He just said, he just said, Father Lord, which we just said, yes, Lord, you can have do you know what happened? I am not lying. I can't make this thing up. We got there and we went plain sailing. Listen, somebody will say it was coincidences. I would say something like this. Timmy Lane prays and coincidences what happened. You see, sometimes when we are praying, we are like adults, but God sends us back to children. For out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, I have ordained praise. God wants us to behave like children and come to him for even our basic needs. So I'm going to ask you right now, I want you to pray that coincidences will start to happen to your life. That you will be, your life will be an attraction of coincidences happening. People will be wondering, how is it that it's not happening to that person? Or how is it that it's not happening to the person? Because you prayed. Pray about the seemingly mundane things in your life. You have a meeting tomorrow, you want it to go well. You have a presentation tomorrow, you want it to go well. You are working on spreadsheets, you want it to go well. You are traveling back somewhere, you want it to go well. Ask your father. He wants to be involved in every detail of our lives. He wants you to seek control to him and see what happens. He is a God that likes to answer prayers.
Oh, thou that answer prayers. That's why James 4 verse 2 says, you ask, you receive not because you ask not. It's very simple. You don't have because you don't ask. Let us cultivate a habit of just asking. Just ask. Second. Sorry, that's it here in front. So, second one is that God delays. And by delay, what do I mean? He answers our prayers. In fact, we get what we want. We just don't get it at the time we want it. We just don't get it at the time we want it. In my mid-twenties, I had a dramatic conversion. I went for a camp. From the day I got, con- the day I got converted, the next day I was already preaching. I don't know how, but God does it somewhere. So I liked preaching. I liked preaching. And, you know, I rose up very early. I became the student, uh, the youth leader in our church, preaching. I, you know, I was given opportunities there. But then I moved abroad. And, you know, I wanted to preach. Like, ah, these people, they don't know me. I've been, you know, I've been, hmm, I've been building up. And the places I thought I was meant to preach, they weren't inviting me to preach. Ah, why are they not inviting me? Ah, it's like, I have something, no. So I now decided, ah, I learned a very fun, fantastic doctrine and I want to pass to you people. It's called, when you say, there's the arm of God, but there's the leg of man. All right? No, I'm joking. Don't, don't learn it. But, but that's what I, I thought. Okay, so let me use my own leg after God's hand. So I will send them, hey, I'm coming to your city. I'm coming to your town. Just so that they'll know that, ah, Brother Femi, ah, oh, Depot, you know, I'll come there. I'll come there. Praise and worship is going on. When would they tell me? Praise and not, nothing. They didn't give me time. The best that they gave me, I remember one they gave me, they said, ah, Brother is here. Okay, let's, let's give him 10 minutes. 10 minutes? 10, do, the revelation I was having. 10 minutes. The Bible says that when the clouds are full, they pour down rain. And you want to give me 10 minutes? So I was frustrated. I prayed about it. God opened doors. And the more I was, op- I was asking God, it, the more the doors were closing. So I opened my own platform. It wasn't a church, but it was a small Bible study. And let me tell you, some of the things, I was like, some of the deep revelations these people weren't allowing me to preach. So I started preaching, I started teaching the people there. I told them, for instance, I told them that the Trinity, that doctrine of Trinity, is not true. I, I, I told them, I said, they said Jesus rose from the dead, that there was a body. There was no body. It was, it was, he rose up spiritually, but he could take up any body he wanted. You see, that's why they could see him differently and see him differently. The revelation. I even said that the second coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, it was, it's a second coming, but it's coming in two phases. Well, the first one that he's going to come in a people, he's going to manifest himself, and they'll all be like Jesus, then he will now come physically at the trumpet sound. So, it will, obviously, I was part of those people, and some of you will not have been part of them. And I said these things so confidently, I was an arrogant, error-spewing machine. And yet today, I do preach. And I do preach in churches. So was my prayer answered? Was my prayer answered? 100% it was answered. Except this. And listen very carefully. God answered my prayer, but he intentionally delayed what I wanted so that he could give me what I needed. Because the version of me that was asking for that prayer, if I got the prayer at that point, it will be damaging for people and damaging for my own soul. So God did what? He delayed that prayer so that he could give me what I needed before I now get what I wanted. 
There are many of us here that are waiting for a certain, for your prayers have already sort of been answered. It's just that your current version will not be good. For some of you, you want to be lifted. God, promote me, promote me, promote me. And God is saying, no, I'm not going to promote you because you are not yet ready for that position. By the time they ask you a few questions in that place, you will be embarrassed. And they said the latter four will be greater. So God delays. It's many times he's shaping our character for the thing that we are asking for. Look at Luke 11 verse 13 again. In Luke 11 verse 13, that aspect of the Lord's prayer, he says, if then, if you then, though you are even know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now listen, the context of that passage was asking for things. It was about fish, it was about eggs. But why is he not saying the Holy Spirit? It's not that they are asking for the Holy Spirit per se. It is this. Whilst they are asking for fish and they are asking for eggs, if God gave them the fish and the egg at that time, it will not be good for them. So God says, I will give you the Holy Spirit instead to shape your character so that when I give you the fish and the egg, it will not destroy you, but it will give glory to me. May the Lord cause a delay in your life so that he can shape you first before he gives you what you want. I didn't hear a louder amen. But here's the point. One of the things that God does as he's shaping us in the waiting, he shapes us to learn to be consistently dependent on him. To be consistently dependent on him. And how you express that is that you continue to pray. He taught this parable unto them for, uh, for this reason, that men ought always to pray and not faint. There is something about you continuing to pray in the time of delay that actually shapes you. George Muller was a British evangelist in the 19th century. And he did a lot of wonderful things, particularly with orphans. Um, but one day, George Muller began praying for five of his friends because they were not Christians. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed. After many months, the first one gave his life to Christ. Somebody say, oh, happy day. And so you imagine it was nine months. So George Muller said, okay, if it's nine months, first one, nine months. Okay, second one, 18 months. Per quarter, 45 months, under three years, they will all be saved. So he started praying for the second one, for the fourth, last four. And he was praying, praying, year two, nothing. Year three, nothing. Eh? Well, about to year, year four, nothing. Five, nothing. Six, but he kept on praying. Seven, eight. It took 10 years. After 10 years, two of them surrendered their life. So he's like, ah. Maybe we end there. Ten years, three out of five, sixty percent. It's not that bad now. No, but he continued praying, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. The fourth gave his life after twenty-five years. Men not always to pray and not faint. So, what do you think he did? For the last one, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years. After fifty-two years. He didn't convert. George Muller died. So you see that God didn't answer? Some of us will say, ah, man, practical man, 80%. If I put an investment, I get 80%. It go bad. <laughs> but even though there may be conflicting stories about how this ends, here's what we know. And I'll just say one of them. They said at the funeral of George Muller, the fifth one attended, and he was so moved by that funeral, he gave his life there. Did God answer the prayers? Yes. Did God delay? Yes. Why did he delay? We don't know, but one of the things we do know is this, that George Muller had a praying life that consistently depended on 
God. He had a life that showed his dependency on God. Can I tell you guys that as you continue to pray about that thing that is delaying, God is shaping your character. God is learning, is teaching you how to be persistent in praying. And then the third thing is this. He's also teaching you delay does not mean denial. And so here's what I want you to do. The first tip, I didn't say it, but the first tip based on the first one where he delivers, right? The first tip is this. Pray specifically. Don't just pray generically. Pray specifically because God delivers. The, 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 the beggar said, Jesus, have mercy on me. That's not enough. Don't just say, have mercy on me. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He says, what? I want to see. So the first tip is this. Pray what? Pray what? Because God delivers. But the second one is this. Pray consistently because God what, delays. Can you pray about that now? I want you to pray about specific three things. I want you to pray about the formation of your character in the midst of the delay. I want you to also pray that God will give you the ability to be praying in a persevering prayer so that it shows you are dependent on him. But I also want you to pray. Maybe today is that domino that will fall. Maybe today is the, the, the last piece of that chain reaction that will bring about the answer to your prayers. For many of us, we've been praying for 10 years, for 11 years, but this is the day that the Lord has made. That the thing that you've been asking for will finally give way. There was a time that they went around Jericho. The first time it didn't happen. The second time it didn't happen. Up until the sixth time. And then the seventh time it happened. If the seventh time did not have the sixth before, it will not have happened. Pray, 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 because one day God will not delay. He will bring his promise. No matter how long it has been, don't forget to ask. We have a father who not just delivers. He intentionally delays. Amen. And then finally, he diverts. He diverts. Because at other times, let me be honest. God answers our prayers. We just don't get what we want. If I can be even clearer. We don't get what we specifically ask for. And listen to me. You will never get what you specifically ask for. Somebody will say, well, why? Let me first say that there are a number of Immediate reasons I can give. And I'll give you three reasons, but they're all related first. What are the three, three reasons? One, we ask for the wrong things. Two, we ask with the wrong motives. Three, we ask while doing the wrong things. We ask for the wrong things. Let me tell you, God is not going to kill your enemies. Stop praying for him to kill them. He won't kill them. God is not going to give you a second spouse. The, the praying spouse that you have has already assured that it won't happen. <laughs> Don't pray for things that are wrong. And so you are not hearing answer to your prayer because you are praying for the wrong things. A second one. You pray with the wrong motives. Look at what James chapter 4 verse 3 says. After in verse 2, it says you don't, have, you don't have because you don't ask. In verse 3, it then says, well, when you do ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong Motives. You are, you are asking so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God, God, lift me so that men may see your glory. Now lie, you want them to see your own glory. Let's be honest. God, give me a husband, give me a husband, and I will serve you. No, the moment the husband comes, you will stop serving God. He knows. 
There are reasons that God doesn't give us what we ask for because God knows more than what we know. You're asking with the wrong motive. How about the third one? We ask about doing the wrong things. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, listen to what it says. It says, husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. That is, don't dominate them because they are the weaker ones. Don't lord over them because they are the weaker ones. He said, treat them with respect as the weaker partner. And in fact, they are an equal partner. How do we know they are equal partners? Because they are heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And he tells you why you shouldn't. He says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Nothing will hinder your prayers. A wife abuser, and you think God will answer your prayers? You mistreat your workers, and you think God will answer your prayers? Are we toying with God? We decide to live explicitly in a way that God does not command, but we keep coming to him and say, just give me, give me. No, 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 no. He is a father. He can be hurt by the way you are behaving. You can't just toy with him. He's not a robot that does not have feelings or does not think. Don't expect answers to prayers whilst living this triad of wrongness. I haven't said that though. All of the things I said are explicitly wrong. And here's what I do know. If I'm pastoring some of you here, and also just pastoring my experience, sometimes it's none of these things. In fact, sometimes the things we're asking God for, you can explicitly see it in Scripture, and yet He's not asking. And there's some of us here, because I empathize with you, some of us here, we are struggling with our faith because of this issue. Some of us here, we are losing our faith because of this issue. Some of us here have probably lost our faith because you are like, what kind of God does not answer? Even this kind of basic prayers. He's answering for all of these people, but he doesn't answer for me. So maybe if God exists. Maybe he's good. He's just not good to me. Some of you are saying, listen, I have prayed, oh, I have prayed, I asked God to heal my loved one. And you know what happened? Eventually, they still died. I asked God for my business, which I built from scratch to survive. And what happened? Like it was a joke, some kind of cosmic sick joke. We still folded up. Some of us are saying, I asked God for my marriage. I didn't even ask him for my marriage to thrive. I said, just for the sake of my children, let it survive. We are divorced now. And you tell me there's a God that answers prayers. Can you give me a reason why he didn't answer my prayer? I don't have one. I don't. I wish I could tell you. I can put together some kind of biblical, theological jargon, but... Listen, I have gone through things myself. I've seen people and I prayed. And I'm like, God, how come you're not answering? I remember somebody that was in the church that had gone through a number of things, series of things, over and over. And the person was struggling to keep their faith. And I remember I had a meeting with the person on a Wednesday. And the person was just coming back, coming back. Within five days, the person lost somebody very dear to them, a close family relative. When I got the call, I couldn't even go. I just shouted, what are you doing? Because I don't understand. There isn't always an explanation as we would like. I don't always know. And you know, if I offer you a reason now, you won't take it because the people have offered you many reasons and they have not satisfied. I don't know. 
Here's what I do know. God is not evil. God is not cruel. God is not just abandoning you. God hasn't forgotten how to love those who he bought with his blood. He hasn't. If he didn't love you, will he send his son to die for you? Of course not. And here's one thing I can tell you. That God, who didn't answer this prayer that you've been asking for, or you didn't, he didn't answer that prayer that you asked for, he answered some prayers in the past, and I can assure you about this. He's still in the business of answering your prayers in the future, even though he did not answer this one. He hasn't stopped being good. Let me tell you one more thing I do know. Even though I don't know, and I don't think many times people don't know, I don't think most people will know the answer to why he didn't answer this specific prayer. Let me tell you someone who knows. God is not guessing as to why he didn't answer that prayer. He knows. But the Bible says that the secret, uh, the, the secret things belong to God. And the things that are revealed, has he given to the children of men? There are some things that God still holds. But can I ask you, before you lose your faith, can I ask you to consider this? You would do exactly what God did in your situation if you knew exactly what God knew. God is all powerful. God is all good. God is all loving. He can do anything. But God is also all knowing. There are reasons he doesn't. And what he expects from us, if he tries to explain to you, you won't even understand. But what he expects from us in, those, in the midst of that, trust him. Don't stop praying. Trust him. Can I tell you a bit about somebody? A child of God, his name is Paul. He was a great man. But you see, this Paul, at some point, he had a big problem in his life. And when I say big, I mean big. A big problem. There is no bigger problem than when it is explicitly satanic. He had a satanic problem in his body. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, we are told, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. It doesn't get worse than that. Because you see, whilst men, when men are troubling you, right, they will say, ah, let's even, even the most cruel of criminals, they will still give you food. They will still give you something to, you know, respite. When Satan is troubling you, he has no conscience. So this thing was really battering Paul. And so what did Paul do? He did exactly what he had advised all Christians to do. What they knew is that James said, is any afflicted among you, let him pray. So Paul prayed. He prayed. And he didn't pray, bless this food, oh Lord, help me. He didn't pray all those kind of prayers. No, he said this thing was so bad, he pleaded with God. Pleaded, that means he went into an extended time of prayer, probably with fasting. God, take this thing away. He went the first time, God didn't answer. He didn't give him what he wanted. He went the second time. God didn't give him what he wanted. He went the third time. God still didn't give him what he wanted. And we don't have record on script, in scripture that God ever gave him what he wanted. Did you hear that? The great apostle Paul. If there was ever somebody that was a child of God, it was Paul. If there was ever somebody that did the work of God, it was Paul. If there was ever somebody that knew about prayer, it was Paul. What am I trying to say? Whatever difficulty you think that you're going through and you think you are the only one, God already knows about it. It's there in scripture that sometimes his children ask for something and he doesn't give them. That was Paul's dilemma. He wasn't given. But it doesn't mean that Paul didn't get something back. You see, sometimes when we request something, God never gives it to us. You know what he does? The request comes. You expect it to come back, the answer to come back down. 
the request comes, God diverts it. And he gives you something else. You see what happened was, we do know a little bit now that Paul, whatever it was, if God had taken it away, it was going to be damaging to Paul's soul. Because in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7, he said that because of conceit, God didn't want the conceit to come out in his heart. So it was not going to be good. But at the same time, God did not stop hearing Paul's plead. So he didn't want to give him something that was going to be bad for his soul. He didn't want to take it away. But at the same time, he was hearing his pleading. He was hearing his cry. He was hearing his suffering. He's not a cruel God. So rather than give him what he wanted that would damage it, so he didn't give him, he diverted it and he gave him something else. What was it that he gave him? Two things. One, he gave him his grace. And two, he gave him another experience, another dimension of the power of Christ. My, he said to me, I, he didn't give it to him, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Listen to me and listen to me very closely. There's no such thing with God as an unanswered prayer. But sometimes he diverts our request. And what does he give us? He gives us the grace for the process and he gives us a gift from the process. Did you hear what I said? He gives us, he diverts the request and he gives us the grace for the process to be able to withstand the pain. He gives us the comfort to go through it. And then he gives us what? A gift from the process. When Paul is saying, I would rather, I would, I would gladly boast in my weaknesses. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying two things. One, if Paul was giving, if Paul, he's saying the thing that came out from this process the dimension, the dimension of Christ's power that I received, I will not trade it for anything. I will not trade this thing for anything. Amen? So he will gladly. If you then ask Paul, would you, if we go back in time, would you uh, take this uh, messenger of Satan to torment you? You know what Paul would say? 500 times you say, lie, lie. You say no. In other words, the process is difficult. You may... If they ask you, God, God may give you something as you stayed with God through the, pro, uh, through the process of the person you loved. And if you have the question come to you, do, would you rather lose that person? You say no, obviously. But after you say, but man, I came out as refined gold. What I have of Jesus now, I will not trade for anything. In 2010, my wife and I got married. And when we got married, we were like every other couple of nowadays. I think we were even the start of this thing. We asked us, so when are you going to have children? I said, ah, two years. <laughs> Why? Because we want to know ourselves, nonsense. But anyway, for those of you who are still doing it, don't worry, you will, you will learn. God had other plans. <laughs> Within six months, she got pregnant. Ask me how. I don't know how. <laughs> Biology. But <laughs> I don't know. She got pregnant. I won't lie to you. I wasn't happy about the pregnancy because things were difficult at the time. I was doing so many things. First of all, she was about to, she had already gotten admission for her master's, so how is she going to do it? I was still doing my PhD, I was doing my PhD, I was working, I was leading a Bible study, I just didn't, it was like, let me, let us finish all these things and then we'll be able to have a child. We barely have enough just to sustain ourselves. Now we want to bring a child in and I wasn't now, I won't say that I prayed, God, take this baby away. No, but there was a sense with God, like, remove this suffering, like, prosper me, do something in our lives, you know, just let somebody just be sending 1,000 pounds every day or something like that, you know. 
there was no money, no thing came through. But as we prayed, you know what happened? I don't know how to explain. We got something from him. We got something called the sufficient grace of God. Through that process, somehow, there were, we, just, we just went through it. And at the end of the process, we got a gift that we not exchange with anybody in the world. Again, we got the child, obviously. But through the process, we experienced the grace of God, the grace of Jesus. The Jesus that told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And because of that, you know what we call the boy? That's his name. Because there's a testament to the fact that even when you pray to God and he doesn't give you what you want, I may never give you that thing that you ask for. He will give you grace for the process and he will give you the gift from the process. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask whether you're a visitor or somebody here. Some of us are going through something. You've been asking God for it. It's a difficult thing. You've been asking, 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 asking. And no, there is, whether it's five years, ten years, there's, that prayer has not been answered. I want to tell you that the grace of God is in the house today. Can you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray. I want us to pray with you. I'm not asking everybody, please. I'm not asking everyone. I want true honesty here. You don't, and don't feel pressured. Don't feel like I have to identify. I'm not talking about just any request. Though. I'm not talking about just any request. I'm talking about a specific one that you've been asking for a long time. There's something like the help of God. The Bible says that the Lord is my helper. What shall mortal men do to me? And the Bible also says that when Jesus left, he said, I will send you another comforter or another helper. When we think about the word Ebenezer, the stone of help, God is a God that helps. Now here's what I'm going to say. For those who are sitting down, you're going to do me a favor. Right? You're going to do me a favor. I want you to zero your eyes to one person. I think it's just one person that can go. Because remember, how does the Lord's prayer start? How does it start? How does it start? What's the first word? You notice the first word is not my. It's our. It's a communal thing. My final tip is this. Pray communally because God diverts. Some things you can't carry alone. There are the people that, there are the four friends that carried this guy who was impotent to Jesus. And what I want now is that the people who are sitting down, can you identify somebody who is standing? We're going to pray communally. Go around them and ask them for this. Ask God for this, that God will grant the grace for the process and he'll give them the gift from the process. I want you to go around, all right? There are a number of people here. Some of us here, a lot of us are seated down. I don't want anybody sitting down. Please go and pray for somebody that is standing up. Look around you. Pray with someone that is standing up. Let them experience the help. I don't want four people around. One person each. One person each. There are lots of people that are standing. Just go around there. Ask them. Ask anyone. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. <laughs>